The scripture this morning is from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 and 17 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the Lord again in prayer uh, as we step into his word here. Heavenly Father, we pause now to come to you and seek your wisdom, to seek your counsel, to seek your truth in our lives. Lord, as we gather today to worship you, may you use this time to mold us, to train us, to equip us for every good work, for every opportunity before us. You're at work around us. I pray we would not be blind to the areas that we can step into, using the gifts, the talents, the resources that you've shared with us. May we reflect that to the world as you have shown us. We're here because of your love, God. That out of that love, you would send Jesus to live the perfect life we couldn't, to die the death, take the judgment, the hell that we deserve, all so that we can have life to the full and share that with those around us, even our enemies. So I pray by that transforming, powerful uh, uh, spirit that you would do that work in us that we may be willing to serve, willing to follow in the ways that you modeled to us. You set for us an example that you call us to step into, to join in, an example of of generosity, of holding loosely the things of this world. So I pray, Lord, you break the chains that hold our hearts today. May your word show us truth, expose our selective rebellion, correct our mistakes, and train us to live your way, God. In the saving name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series looking at uh, what we believe Scripture calls us to, right? We're in this series that we're calling Why Generosity Matters. And we're here because we believe that Scripture points us to the very heart of God. We believe that generosity matters because in Christ, in Jesus' example, in His coming, we actually see a very powerful, transforming generosity. We'll delve into that today, but again, if this is your first week with us, and uh, you might see all these boxes up here wondering what's going on. We're not moving. Don't worry. These would be horrible moving boxes if we were. Not for kids, right? But it would take forever to pack these up. Here's a cup, okay, and a plate. 
I, I should stop. I'm going to keep going. Last week, Kevin set up this illustration for us. He set up this idea in these boxes that our call is to live or to think outside the box about what the Lord has put in our box. The Lord's equipped you with specific skills and talents and resources. And how can we think creatively about using those for the sake of the other? Perhaps you're familiar with the story of the Apollo 13 mission. If not, briefly, in 1970, uh, NASA launched a team into space to try and land on the moon again. They were, they were launching a lunar uh, mission. and uh, However, on the way there, one of the oxygen tanks exploded. And there's a larger story that goes on to why that happened and things like that. But the lunar mission turned into a rescue mission. And so down on the earth, uh, they're scattering and scurrying, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out how to help these astronauts make it back home. Because what was happening was the, 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 the module was filling up with CO2, and they had to figure out how to cycle the CO2, because you can't just roll down a window. They, yeah, some of you got that. Yeah. They had to figure out how to do that. So uh, they, there's this amazing scene in the 1995 make, uh, uh, telling of this story where the, uh, the engineers scurry around a table and they have boxes full of stuff that they dump onto the table. And what they do then is there's this famous line where he says, we've got to figure out how to make this fit into a hole for this with nothing but that. They had to think outside of the box of the stuff that was in the box. The astronauts only had some stuff up there, a little bit of stuff that they had to then problem solve and think creatively. That's the heart of creative generosity. It's being willing to, to work together and to think together and, and, and ask, Lord, you've, you've blessed me with this skill. How can I use it in a way that is generous? So last week that was set up and Kevin laid out the foundation of creative generosity. And today I hope it, to take that next step of, of talking about the outflow of creative generosity. To talk about the fact that it calibrates our hearts away from ourselves and towards others. It, it tunes our hearts to follow Jesus' example. In the upper room, he gets down on his hands and his feet and he washes the, the, the disciples' feet and then he says, I've given you an example. He, out of love, was willing to lay down his life and he calls us to the same. So our passage today does this by showing that from a heart of contentment, we're freed to acts of generosity, which ultimately fill us with joy. And they fill us with joy because it rightly sets our hope elsewhere. It's what we just sang about. Our hope is not here. Our hope is not in our stuff. Our hope is not in even my skills and talents, whatever they be. Our hope is elsewhere. But underlying all of this, or all of this flows out of a heart that has given themselves to Christ. It flows out of giving your life to Christ. And so uh, my, my encouragement, if that's not you, if, if, if you're exploring this, if you're, if you're trying to understand all this, I would encourage you to see the joy that you can experience in giving your life to Christ. 
And seeing then, moved by his generosity for you, you can live this call out of contentment and generosity towards others. Now, we, we pastors like three points, right? We, I, I read, I love words. I thought today, instead of giving you three points, I'm going to give you an image for my main point. Right? Some of you are like, finally. <laughs> I, I think this captures the heart of the passage today. I think this visually captures that when we foster a heart of contentment, it can free us to step into acts of generosity. But also, acts of generosity can reinforce a heart of contentment. And in both of these places, we can experience joy because, again, our hope is somewhere else. Contentment and generosity teach us with both hands to hold on to things loosely. To hold on to things with open hands. And to share with those around us. That's really the heart of contentment. That's, that's the idea of contentment here. It's, it's a posture, it's a mindset of being willing to hold things loosely. Open hands, all we have rather than so tightly. And Paul is talking about money here. But this can apply, this attitude can apply to so many areas of our lives. Being content with the gifts that he's given you, rather than going, man, I wish I could play banjo like Dave could. So often we live with a mind mentality. Well, I earned it. I deserved it. I worked for it. Did you know toddlers have a property law? There's this universal property law that all toddlers function by. Some of you know what it is, right? It's two words. It's mine, right? If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. And finally, if it's broken, well, it's yours. <laughs> we, we, we chuckle, right? We understand it. We've, we've seen it. We know this. And yet I wonder if sometimes we treat our Heavenly Father in the same way. Saying, I earned this. I worked for this. I deserve this. It's mine. And I would ask, do we sometimes see the obligation as just that of giving a tithe, of giving a tenth of our produce? That's what tithe literally means. I said it earlier, right? It's a tenth of something. Do we see that as a rule to follow or as an opportunity to retune our hearts towards the other? Paul does specifically talk about money here. So we have to address our heart towards it and our use of it. Kevin specifically selected me for this because I said something mean to him and he's like, you're going to have to preach on the money sermon. No, It's a joke. But Paul talks about it and he acknowledges, he understands it rightly, that it is a tool, but he gets at the heart that a love of money is where the problem is. 
He, he uses two words, two Greek words, and he mashes them together to get at this idea when he talks about the love of money. He's talking about discontentment. He's talking about jealousy. He's talking about greed, of covetousness, of never having enough or feeling like we never have enough. He's laying out the opposite of a heart of contentment, but a heart of discontentment. And my question would be, have, have we ever said, once I get some financial stability, I'll give? Is that out of a heart of contentment or a heart of discontentment? And hear me, in this moment, I am the pot calling the kettle black. This passage is for me as well. It's for all of us. Can I be vulnerable for a moment? I've joked this before. You don't really have a say in that, do you? <laughs> Amanda, over uh, this year, got a job uh, this year as a, as a school nurse, and, and I wrestled in my heart of giving the tenth of her income. What? I do hope we can be a place where we can be vulnerable, where we, we, can, we can take our masks off and share the fact that we are people who need to foster hearts of contentment, but sometimes we need to just take steps of generosity. That's the bottom half of this circle. Sometimes we just have to take the action of generosity whether our heart is in it or not. If you and I wait until our heart is ready or right, or our posture is there, or we're willing, finally willing to do it, to step out in a generous way, will we really ever get there? Sometimes we just have to take the step and trust that God's going to use that to then create a heart of contentment within us, an act of obedience with a prayer saying, Lord, tune my heart towards contentment. Help me to hold loosely the things that you've blessed me with. This gets at the fact that Paul uses the word command in verses 17 through 19. Right? There are times that we need that command. There are times that we need that challenge. There are times that we need that push to step into a better God-centric rhythm rather than a me-centric rhythm. We intuitively understand this in other areas of life, right? I've, I've shared before, I don't like exercise shouldn't be new to you unless it's your first time. I don't like it. Can I be vulnerable? I don't like exercise. So many people talk about there's an endorphin rush and you feel good afterwards. I don't feel good afterwards. But we intuitively know in that moment that if I wait until I feel good to exercise, am I ever going to exercise? No. We know it there. In fact, a friend the other day, he was in the first service, challenged me to do a push-up challenge with him and to keep each other accountable. And I still don't want to do it, but I, me verbalizing this in this moment is like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Sometimes we know there are things that are good for us that we don't necessarily want to do, but we need to take a step and act in doing it. Another example, Dave clearly is a phenomenal musician, right? I mean, he, di he didn't... Banjo was not his first instrument. That's like his 10th instrument. I don't know. I'm, 
I'm exaggerating. I don't know if he's in here. Uh, maybe it's his eighth, right? Over COVID, he taught himself saxophone. You can find him on Facebook and see uh, some of the things that he's, he's played. I can tell you, though, that he practices and practices and practices and practices. You could probably find his wife and kids or sister and say, how much does your husband practice? And they'll probably say, too much. But he understands there are times where you have to challenge yourself, push yourself to allow you to get into a place where the playing flows freely, second nature, out of a heart of joy. The question for us today is, where in this cycle am I? And where do I need to take a step? See, out of a content heart, we practice generosity. And out of practices of generosity, we foster a content heart. And it's out of this rhythm that we experience joy because we're holding things loosely. We realize our hope is not in this. It's elsewhere. The cycle retunes us to have our hope not in the here and the now, not in what can come and go. It retunes us to set our hope and heart elsewhere where you won't be let down. Maybe I let you down today in what I shared in vulnerability. He won't let you down. The place we're going won't let you down. I mean, if... If you place your hope in the stock market, this last week should be an example, actually these last few years, should be an example of your hope is going to be bashed over and over and over again, right? This cycle, this rhythm of life is meant to free us and to fill us, to set our aim, to set our hope somewhere that was meant to hold it. It was meant to loosen the grip just a little bit. David Foster Wallace was a writer who gave a commencement speech, and he got so close to the truth in, in, in what he said, but he, he gets at the fact that something there's in, he, he understood something that's intuitive in all of us that we can so easily hold tightly onto things that were never meant to be held as tightly as they were. He said this in his speech. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Worship power and you will end up feeling weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. His answer, sadly, was unhooking the meaning of life from the transcendent, from God. But he gets at this aim that is in every single one of us. This heart, this aim to find meaning, to find hope, it's aiming somewhere. And this rhythm of generosity that we're talking about is meant to say, this is not where it is. 
It's outside of ourselves to the one, to the only place that can hold it. Jesus saw the joy that was before him to come in his act of generosity, and he freely gives the perfect life of righteousness and obedience and takes our judgment because he saw the joy before him. He was willing to step into an act of generosity. And you and I are here because of that amazing grace. And now we're offered an opportunity. We're offered the the opportunity, the gift, the privilege to join in that same joy as we join in the good works, in being generous, in ready and willing to share, as Paul puts it here in these passages. And I know sometimes we can, we can find ourselves in these situations and say, yeah, yeah, you, you tell those, those rich people to be generous and willing to share. But the Lord has something somewhere in your heart that you need to be generous about and ready to share. It's for all of us. And all of us have an opportunity to join in. It's like an all-skate at a skating rink. You guys know what that is, right? It's when everybody can go on. Not the couple skate where you're left out if you're not in a couple. If, uh, there's a great skating rink, by the way, in Concord, Fry's Rink. If, you know, it's like they built it in 1970 and did nothing. <laughs> like it's a time capsule. It's awesome. But that's really the opportunity that we've been given. We've been called to join into a movement of generosity joining in the experience of holding things loosely and, and, and joining in on a joy that goes deep down into our hearts, the question is, will you enter into this cycle? There are so many ways that we can join in. And we're not going to get it perfect. It's going to take time. I think of the times where with my kids, they break something, and there are the times where I'm like, okay, it's okay. And then there are times I'm like, do you know how much that cost? Not that we don't treat things well, but it reveals a heart of discontentment. Heart of maybe holding on to something a little stronger than I should. So there are ways that we can join in. Ways that we can step into this cycle. And I, I do encourage you in leaning in to supporting the ministries of Stonebridge. In the giving of your tenth, in the giving of your tithe that allows us the resources to be gifts as a body to so many. And if you're not there yet, that, that's a perfect place to start. Start supporting the local body that you call home. From ministries and service and staff and, and operations, it allows us to live into the vision, right? And live into our mission to be bridges of grace for the next generation, for the community around us, and to the world. And we can't do it without you. We're all called to join the All Skate. And that might be the first place where you jump into that cycle. But in being creative and taking time to think about being creative and generosity, there are other ways as well. There are other ways where you can think about your gifts, your talents, your, your resources, your words even, and use those in creative and generous ways. I have a friend who uh, 
aims to be creatively generous with their words, to look for ways to encourage others, to write notes, to write letters, but even more, to show up and walk alongside others as they experience loss, so much so that they're going to begin volunteering with, with hospice, using the gifts and skills that they have to walk alongside people in dark and hurting times and the time that they have to do that. That's generous. I know many of us have had the experience of walking with people in hospice, with hospice workers, and they are a gift. Another friend was willing to retire early or resign rather than make more cuts at their business. That had a deep impact on me because it, 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 it feels like it whispers and models a willingness to think creatively about generosity as not only something that we give, but maybe sometimes something we give up for the sake of others. I think it models Christ choosing to serve rather than be served. This is just the beginning of creative generosity. The beginning of what we could do. But the goal is to calibrate and tune our hearts away from ourselves and towards others. And I encourage you, look for ways discuss in life groups or with others, what could this look like? What has the Lord blessed me with that I can in turn give to others? Right? Generosity matters because it's a reminder for us of the generosity that He has given to us. It matters because it's an avenue of transformation for our hearts. It's a matter, it matters because it frees our hearts, our minds, and our bodies from the things that will never sustain. It sets our hearts on what really matters. I believe that our generosity is an avenue that we can model to the world around us physically and tangibly the generosity that he has shown us in the sending of his son. We have a giving and gracious and generous God and we get the opportunity to reflect that to the world around us. Will you join us? Will you join in? and take that step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, thank you. Thank you that you would send your Son to do what we couldn't. Lord, we take this moment to acknowledge there are so many things that I try to hold tightly to. There are so many things that I feel like I have to be in control for and with. Lord, I pray you would use this moment and whisper to our minds and hearts what those are for each person in this room, for each person joining us online. May you reveal to us that thing that we may not want to hold loosely and spirit stir in us a trust that when we do begin to hold it loosely, you've got us. And I pray in that moment, in this moment, we would feel and experience your joy. May we be a people who is as generous as the God that we say we serve, 
the God that we say we love. And in that, may we experience and see the joy before us as well. In the saving name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.